0: Mario Lanza
1: and I'm Joni Newman.
0: And what you are hearing is how annoying it is when we put applause breaks when somebody sets foot on SNL's stage. So that's our just little commentary on our episode here for SNL After Party as we recap the November episodes. That we just like to point out how annoying it is that SNL solely relies on cameos and applause breaks now.
1: Yep. <laughs> that's pretty much it. Yeah. Need we look at Ryan Reynolds?
0: <laughs> so anyway, uh, as always, again, uh, Mario and Joni are here to recap the November episodes for SNL After Party. And first off, I just want to say, how you doing, Joni?
1: I'm good. I've got finals this week, so I'm pumped up on crazy amounts of caffeine. So let's do this. <laughs>
0: <laughs> All right, so that leads to an interesting question. Which was a more painful experience, studying for finals or watching the last four episodes in a binge-watch to prep for this podcast?
1: Uh, easily the Kristen Stewart episode of SNL. <laughs> Easily,
0: <laughs> yes. As you may infer from our <laughs> podcast, Joni and I have not been fans of the last month of SNL. In fact, you may have heard one of us or both of us griping about it on Twitter. We are quite vocal. Although I will say, Joni, I rewatched them all—all all four episodes—Chance the Rapper through Will Ferrell—and prep for this podcast. And you're a brave soul. I did, it's, yeah. It's, it's technically one of Dante's levels of hell, so I was, I was very <laughs> brave Thanksgiving. But I will say, I only hated two of them. So that's actually pretty good. Which two did you hate? I did not like the Kristen Stewart episode.
1: Good, because I was going to say, if you liked that episode, then this is over. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah. Joni has a long storied history with hatred of Kristen Stewart. So this is going to be fun. It's I know very he, true. Yeah, you've been warning me about this.
1: Oh, yeah. k Stu and I go way back. <laughs> <laughs> and I
0: did not like the Harry Styles episode, surprisingly.
1: Okay perfect yeah no i think we're i think we're more or less in agreement when like in retrospect i think the chance the rapper and will ferrell episodes were a little bit more respectable but the kristen stewart and harry styles episodes are so unbearable
0: they were painful and by the way i have to point out you know snl has done lots of cameos that's what they do now apparently we throw lots of cameos on the show and it's very exciting even though they don't do jack crap i just want to say how exciting it is that rachel Dratch is here on the podcast <laughs> We're going to do lots of annoying cameos. I hope you guys get used to this. So anyway, Joni, as we wrap up November, I will ask you the same question that uh, they used to say in the old Barack Obama sketch on SNL, the show. How are they doing?
1: Uh, um, <laughs> there's a, there's an episode of The Office where you hear Michael Scott in the background say, you're reaching, and that's kind of how I feel about uh, pretty much every episode. <laughs> <laughs> Hey, look who's here. Severus
0: Snape himself. Alan Rickman is here.
1: Oh, nice. And with him, Prince Andrew.
0: All right. This is cool. This is a star studded podcast here. (laughs) Okay, so let's. (laughs) I have to say one thing before we get into this, and this is just a beef that I have, and I'm going to compare this to Survivor. I'm going to warn people. I come from a world where I talk about another TV show, Survivor, so you may not care about this, but I'm going to draw a parallel to what has happened with Survivor and what's currently happening with SNL. And I, I promise it will not be too annoying. You cool with this, Joni? I'm good. Okay, so... If you go on, like, Reddit and Twitter, you see people complaining that all SNL is these days is famous random cameos of celebrities coming in to play, the, the politicians. And anybody who's watched the show for a long time knows this is a relatively new phenomenon, right? Yeah. What's funny is you'll see people defending this. And this really gets under my skin, just as anybody who has a history with the show, is that They'll say, oh, you know, I've, I started watching SNL back in 2015. Like, this is just what SNL does. Like, why do you guys complain about this, this is just what SNL is? Mm-hmm. Oh, does that bother me as an SNL historian? Because that is not what SNL is. And I will draw a parallel here to Survivor. Now, Survivor, if you guys don't know, is a game show where people are on an island and they all vote each other out. And at the end of the game, they get down to the final two. And you can't vote each other out when there's two people. So a jury has to decide who wins. It's a very simple structure, and what happened was eventually the producers were like, well, all the best players, all the fan favorites get voted out in third place because nobody wants to face them in the finals, and so there was a flaw. And so they started doing this thing where they stopped the game. Instead of stopping at the final two, they stop at the final three now just because the producers wanted more winners that they liked. Mm -hmm. And this was supposed to be a temporary thing, but they kept doing it. And they kept doing it. And now you'll get so many Survivor fans that have just started watching in the last couple of years. They're like, well, Survivor's always been a final three. That's just the way it goes. And that's not the way it always went. It's, that's When you make little incremental changes like that and you leave them in the show, like politicians being played by celebrities, and you keep doing it, then eventually that becomes the norm and people think that's just what the show is. Yep. So that is my gripe right now that SNL is in very big danger of affecting its history in a big way where people think this is just what SNL is supposed to be. And that drives me insane.
1: Yeah, I would also if we if we want to make a really great reference to Twilight here. One of the one of the like famous things about Twilight is that Stephanie uh, Myers, who wrote them, was like, no, Bella and Edward aren't going to have sex until they're married because she has this big religious background. Um, And people kind of commented on, OK, but he literally stalks her in her bedroom at night. He like they they've done everything except have sex. Your characters have nowhere to go except to sleep with each other. And I think that SNL has in many of their sketches kind of a similar problem, only they get to the sex way too fast. <laughs> If that makes any sense at all, like they they cap out the joke so early on that there's nowhere for the sketch to go because they've already hit the punchline and they hit the punchline in the first 30 seconds.
0: So there's no build. That's fantastic. That's a good observation. That ties in something my wife always says, too, She's are watching the episodes and she's like, every sketch is the same thing. Something weird happens and everyone's sitting there saying this is a weird thing that's happening.
1: Yeah, I think that, I mean, a really good example of that one actually would be in the Kristen Stewart episode when they have that star hike. And the first thing that happens is two old people seeing dirty stuff in the stars. And then the sketch is over because that's all they continue to do. (laughs)
0: All right, so yeah, we've we've established some fundamental flaws with what they've been doing with uh, SNL here. Although, and again, these aren't necessarily new. They, these are the mistakes the show has been driving home for like four or five seasons now. Like, it's not really—you can't really call it a fluke anymore. This is just what SNL kind of is right now.
1: Yeah, yeah, it really is. It's what people have—it's been around for long enough that that's what people expect. So they don't expect anything different. When it doesn't happen, it is just so much better. <laughs> <laughs>
0: That does tie into something. And one more thing I want to say before we start recapping these episodes. And I I try not to be too negative on these podcasts. I really don't because there's a fundamental phrase out there, don't yuck on somebody else's yum, which I don't like doing. But I do have to say certain things is that it, to me, it seems SNL is just fundamentally flawed right now. There's a lot of problems with it. A lot of people hanging on too long, just the same things going on over and over again. And I see... A lot of people out there saying, well, SNL should do a reboot or, you know, Lauren will save it. It'll bring in new people. Joni, do you think Lauren is going to be doing a reboot of the show anytime in the near future? Oh,
1: no, 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 no. I I mean, should he? Yes. Yeah. (laughs) Will he? No, (laughs) no. He's at the point now where he's just comfortable just kind of writing it out. Like um, I saw you comment on Twitter that as long as SNL continues to win Emmys for this, you know, semi substandard work. What? Point would there be in redoing it? Yeah, because they're still getting the critical attention they want. There, it doesn't matter. What what motivation does he have to redo other than the fact that he should? (laughs) Yeah, well, yeah, and to
0: me that's always the biggest, the bigger problem. Like I, I think SNL has big problems. The bigger problem to me, and I say this a lot, is that it gets praise when it isn't necessarily great. And it's really interesting to me the critical leeway and the love for this show. And again, if someone who hasn't missed an episode since the '80s, that has not always been the case, but it's like amazing what SNL can get away with now. And they get patted on the back when anybody who's has any history with the show is like, you know, it's been way better before. And so, like I said, my problem is always more the audience than it is the show because the audience seems to want this. And to me, that's almost worse. Yeah. Like, this is their ideal of what SNL should be.
1: Yeah. I think that a lot of I, I think SNL sometimes gets praised for being really brave on calling out things. But the truth is, they're they're not. Uh, everybody's calling out Trump. Everybody's calling out uh, issues with racism and white supremacy. And it's, it's common enough that I don't really see SNL being as brave as it once was in the especially with political political commentary. Uh, so I think we keep throwing them a bone, but it's not because they're doing anything really spectacular.
0: Yeah and once again going back to the idea should this show reboot or will this show show reboot and there's a logistical thing here that I think people need to think of and I don't know if people factor this in when they think SNL is that Lorne Michaels is not a young man and like I I hear people say well you know he just at some point he'll just retool it like they did in the 90s and they do the reinvent the show and give all this new energy I honestly don't think that's ever going to happen because that is a young man's game. That is a that was a very stressful time in Lauren's career. I know he didn't like it. He wasn't real happy. And he I think I feel he's very comfortable now. So I do believe, and this is I again I hate yucking other people's yum, but I have to say this. I honestly feel this is what SNL is going to be until Lauren hangs it up.
1: Oh, I think you're totally right. Yeah.
0: It has fallen into the place where it is it is the show it is going to become until the end.
1: Yep. <laughs> And I hate that. Again,
0: I have such a history with the show. And who knows, maybe another producer will take over someday. Maybe there'll be a whole new breadth of energy. But as long as Lauren is there, I think this is what SNL is, like it or not.
1: I think that's 100% accurate. Also, in case you were curious, Richard Hatch is here and he agrees with you. Wow, is it the Richard
0: Hatch from Battlestar Galactica or Survivor?
1: Both, actually. Both Richard's Hatch. (laughs)
0: Both are here. You guys are so lucky out in the audience, the cameos we're getting here. (laughs) Okay, so want to dive through the shows here, as much as we might not want to do through two of them?
1: Okay, I've got Diet Coke. I'm ready to go. (laughs)
0: Wow. Okay, so here we go. The Chance the Rapper episode, which I believe was right at the end of October. So technically, even though it's in the November recap, it was at the end of October. But this is the first one. So overall thoughts on the Chance the Rapper episode, Joni?
1: I agree with you that in retrospect, I think this was a better episode in this quartet. I think compared to the first three, it doesn't hold up as well. But definitely, if you look at it in terms of just November and yeah, this one came out right before Halloween. But if you look or right around Halloween, but if you look at it in that context, yeah, it, it holds up better than the others. Although I do have several sketches where I wrote, I have nothing to say. I hate this episode so much. So.
0: <laughs> Aw. <laughs> okay, so my thoughts. When this episode aired, I was not into it at all. Like, I don't know Chance the Rapper. I don't know anything about him. I know yeah, he hosted SNL. So there was no immediate draw. And I remember just kind of being bored by this episode. But sure. then a lot of people on Twitter were like, you know, that was actually a really fun episode, if you give it another chance, there was a lot of weird, surreal stuff going on in there, and you'll probably like it better a second viewing, and I, I actually kind of did when I binged it, it's just at the time, I was not into it at all. Which
1: sketches stood out to you more the second time through?
0: It's funny, the one, there's a couple that stood out to me the second time, the one that really jumps out at me is the graveyard one. Oh yeah, that was a good one. Which I didn't know. This is part of the flaw with knowing too much about SNL. Like, I have a recall of these sketches that I know over the years. So when this one started, the graveyard sketch, when they're dancing around, I'm like, this is Paul and Phil. Do you remember Paul and Phil? Yeah. It was the exact same song, the same beat, the same graveyard setting, everything. It's like, so my first instinct instinct was, oh, I've seen the sketch before. And that's only because I know Paul and Phil, like, I could recite it from memory. And so Mm -hmm. I was a little like, yeah, I'm not interested in this because I've seen it. Watching it now a month later in retrospect I'm like okay that was actually pretty funny I like that one
1: Yeah I think this one breathes a little bit better when because SNL does that a lot where they highlight weird characters like uh like the old Penelope sketches with Kristen Wiig in fact one of my favorite SNL sketches is her Thanksgiving sketch with Anne Hathaway. I love mm-hmm. that sketch. Um, but it, but I think when you're highlighting someone weird, it's nice when you like highlight the weird person and then do some like normal things and then kind of go back to the weird. And the pacing of this sketch, I think, did work.
0: Yeah. And plus, it was very relatable. I mean, who has not, who among us has not shoved a lightning rod up their butt and sat up on a pole?
1: Oh, everyone. Everyone has done
0: that. <laughs> Speaking of which, Richard Gere is here, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs>
1: Very famously shoved that lightning bot up his rut. But wait, whoa! Lightning bot up his rut. Oh man, (laughs) it's time to go off the diet coke.
0: (laughs) Okay, so a couple things about the Chance the Rapper episode. Uh, you noted this. Joni provides. Joni is very meticulous, a very well-prepared student who probably did very well in school. She takes detailed notes as she's watching the episode and shares them on a Google Doc so I can read them and I can come up with discussion topics. And I do no prep whatsoever, so I'm the horrible <laughs> student. So, In Joni's notes, she pointed out how many sketches Chance the Rapper was in and how much faith they had in, in him as a host.
1: And he was actually really decent, especially as I look back, I was really surprised. And I, I'm like you, I have, I had never heard of Chance the Rapper until they said he was hosting SNL. So I, I, I mean, I, like I said, my radio consists of Broadway and podcasts. Like that's, that's what I listen to. So I was really surprised how much they used him and he was solid.
0: Yeah, I agree. He is, he is a very capable, very good, very good sport host. So again, if they yeah, bring him back, definitely. I would, I, I would definitely not hate if he came back because I thought he did a great job.
1: Yeah. Although if we're talking about good sport hosts, then we also have to maybe begrudgingly throw a bone towards Harry Styles, who basically was thrown at every woman in SNL and some of the men as their love interest. In bizarre circumstances, it totally held it together.
0: (laughs) Okay, well, we'll get to Harry Styles. I know you got to talk about H style coming up here, but uh, we got to get through Kristen Stewart first. I'm just warning you. (laughs) Okay. All right. So there's a couple other standout sketches for me and Chance the Rapper here. I like the League of Legends sketch, and I know you like the League of Legends sketch, and I I I will I will set you up here. Joni's brother is a (laughs) famous. YouTube personality who plays video games and people watch him. So you have a lot of familiarity with this world, don't you?
1: Oh yes. My brother uh, goes by the moniker Cubs fan Han. He plays a star Wars video game and has this crazy following that I don't totally understand. I think it's awesome for him. (laughs) But when I, when I go home, both of my brothers play this game and hearing them talk about it is like hearing a completely different language that is also your own language like I presume they're speaking English but I don't totally understand and that that totally cracked me up about this episode I thought this is something I get because I have been on the receiving end of this reporter who's here and just has no idea what's going on
0: does your brother have like a stream of groupies following him at all times
1: um that's a really good question not in not that I know of, <laughs> but I mean, he's got a decent viewership. He gets um, he gets flown out places. He got a trip to Germany earlier this year. What? He was, I know, like a complimentary, all expenses paid trip to Germany for some video game thing. And then got a trip to uh, Disneyland recently, so they could show him around Galaxy's Edge. <laughs> wow. He's a little putt. He's a little putt, but he's worked really hard. I'm super proud of him for all that he's done. I don't understand it but I'm really proud of (laughs) him.
0: I'm going to quote the great Laszlo Holmes here. I did not know this was a thing.
1: A hundred percent. Yep. A hundred percent. In fact, they actually put up something I was listening to. I think it was NPR recently. They talked about how the number one thing kids want to be these days is a YouTuber. They want to be famous doing stuff online and doing stuff with video gaming is a huge part of that. So I think this was a really smart sketch.
0: Wow. And speaking of which, your brother is here, a cameo by Cubs fan Han.
2: (laughs)
1: Oh, hey, bro.
0: <laughs> we could not get Sex Panda 99. I was working on it. I could not get him to show up. Oh, shoot. We'll
1: have to shell out for that guest next week.
0: <laughs> yeah, so, so John, please pay us more so we can get better guests. Joni's brother is only a minor guest. We need Sex Panda. Oh, yes, please. <laughs> so yeah, so I like the League of Legends sketch. You like the League of Legends sketch. This is one I believe we both kind of agreed on.
1: Yeah, definitely. I liked that one.
0: Now, there's one in the Chance the Rapper episode, I know from your meticulous detailed notes, that you did not like. In fact, she just wrote, why am I watching this? But I, I really like the one about the snacks in the fridge, the tasty toaster tarts. You did? Yes. Why? Because it was dark, and it was surreal, and it, it built on the darkness, which I appreciate. I like darkness, Joni.
1: Yeah, that is true for you. This, yeah, I, I literally just wrote, ain't nobody got time for that uh Next to that sketch But apparently you have time for that So that's good I'm glad that you enjoyed that one I have plenty of time
0: for that And I, from what I read on Twitter Most other people had time for that too So we are all correct And you were wrong on that one So I'm just pointing that out
1: I don't agree with that assessment.
0: <laughs> I'm curious. Okay, in the in the feedback to this podcast, tell us if you like this snacks sketch. Because Joni and I generally don't disagree a hundred and eighty degrees that far away on stuff. So this is one that I, I vaguely remember seeing we got a huge reaction on Twitter. Most people liked it, but Joni is so vehemently didn't like it that I know there must be others that agree with her. So I'm very curious how the uh please, please uh <laughs> bombard John with your feedback on that question. I'm sure he'd love to hear it.
1: Oh, I'm sure he would. I, I don't know. I, I, I guess it works for Halloween, but I thought it was weird. I just didn't get the like sudden being okay with all of this blood and murder in the back of the house. They're like, let's have pop tarts. Doesn't make sense to me. <laughs> what are you, Bailey
0: Gizmert All of a sudden? I don't know. It was just weird. It was <laughs> random.
1: Oh, ouch. That's that's pretty low. <laughs>
0: yeah. Speaking of which, Bailey, Bailey Gizmert is here. Welcome.
1: Yay! <laughs> okay, so speaking of sketches, I did, I I kind of liked, but thought they had way more potential on than they actually kind of used was the dazzle design sketch because <laughs> I grew up in the Midwest and show choir is such a huge thing out there, and they really missed a little bit of an opportunity here to go just full on dazzly sequence, absolutely. That's crazy and they didn't they were dressing choir people not show choir people show choir people are bonkers and they could have gone so honey boo boo on the costuming there and they didn't i was really disappointed in that
0: that's exactly what i was thinking too when i was watching it yeah no not at all <laughs> Now it's well to me okay the, the the dazzle designs and this is where i'm going to get in trouble i'm gonna, going to infuriate many of our listeners but and I know people have talked about this on Twitter. I've seen this before. That it feels like Kate and 80 in particular are kind of putting on their own show these days. It's not really, oh, yeah. it's not really part of the rest of the show. It's just the Kate and 80 showcase where they're making each other laugh. And this is one of those that I just looked at. I'm like, ugh, I wrote on my notes. I don't want to watch
1: this. I literally wrote down, hold it together, ladies. <laughs> yeah. In fact,
0: the whole second half of the Chance the Rapper episode, I don't think was very good. And there's one, oh, yeah. the, the elephant in the room sketch we're going to talk about here in a second, the dancing on the wires. Oh, geez. <laughs> See, now I'm turning on this episode again. Now I'm realizing I didn't like a lot of this episode.
1: I do think you're right. The first part of the episode, I think, worked a little bit better than, than the last half, definitely. Although I would say I didn't like the Judge Barry sketch. But other than that, yeah, I think you're right. Up to Weekend Update, the sketch wasn't too bad.
0: Yeah, and the Judge Barry sketch, I, I I didn't really love it. It was too broad for me. I don't like super broad humor sometimes. But the Jason Momoa cameo at the end with the nipple clamps, I mean, really, <laughs> that's just SNL just steering right into its worst habits, doing that. Oh, it it's so it, true. Yeah, there's no point to have that in the sketch. It doesn't add anything. He's overacting. It doesn't really fit the sketch. It's just we have a crazy cameo. Speaking of which, Jason Momoa is here.
1: And his nipple clamps.
0: The nipple clamps made it. We could afford the clamps.
1: We could. We can't afford the sex panda, but we got the nipple clamps, mainly because Mario nipple is more fun to say than sex panda.
0: (laughs) I I will leave that up to you. Yes, that's a Joni's (laughs) parables of wisdom.
1: I've got so many.
0: (laughs) But yeah, the Judge Barry sketch, I didn't really love. I know you didn't really love It, it. It seemed to be pretty well received on Twitter, which I'm... I hate to say I'm not surprised. That seems like something the modern SNL audience would tend to like. But Judge Barry immediately deciding guilt or innocence based on the look of the defendant is not that far off because my dad was a personal injury lawyer. And my dad would always say, he's like, no lawyer will tell you this, but here's the truth. Anybody who shows up in court is guilty of something.
1: <laughs> <laughs> oh, my gosh. That yeah, I, that, I actually thought that sketch was really intriguing, given the um afternoon news segment that we'd watched a couple of weeks before with Phoebe, that in that episode it's all about these like wrong racial profiling. And then this one just totally leaned into it and just said racial profiling all the way. I thought this is a little bit contradictory maybe? I don't know. I thought that was kind of intriguing. So
0: what Joni Newman is saying is that the other one was wrong racial profiling. This one was correct racial profiling. Is that what you're saying? That was not what I said. <laughs> it's that's debatable. Uh, <laughs> all right. So anyway so that's the first half of the episode. Then the second half, Weekend Update. Well, I kind of save that for the end. I don't really have a lot to say about yeah, Weekend yeah, Update yeah. other than I love Michael Che. I think he's the only really dangerous cast member right now. And even though his yeah. jokes don't yeah. always hit, I love the spirit with which he approaches them. So I got to say that.
1: I agree with that. And I love that when a sk- when a, when a joke doesn't hit, he kind of calls himself out on it. He's extremely meta in the way that he delivers, mm-hmm. which works. It totally works.
0: Yeah, it's almost Andy Kaufman in a way that when the joke doesn't work, it's almost funnier. And he knows oh, that. Oh,
1: completely. Yeah. yeah, or when a joke works that he wasn't expecting to work. That's funny, too.
0: And I will make a very unpopular statement that I appreciated the Bruce Jenner joke, although I know it, it broke Twitter. But I saw where he was going with it, and he what happened is he caved. He panicked. He hears the punchline he thought was going to get a big laugh, didn't, and he froze. So I appreciate yep. the comedicness of that. That he was going for a joke, he heard the audience and he called an audible and stopped, which I I find that funny.
1: I yeah, I'll agree with that. I actually thought, ooh, that joke's going to rub people the wrong way. <laughs> but I mean, was it was it well played? Yes. Was it maybe the right timing? Probably not. <laughs> <laughs> but was it a
0: Michael Che joke? Yes, it was. Oh, it was
1: it was a hundred percent up his alley. The. I, I agree with you. I think Michael Che is definitely the most daring cast member right now, and I appreciate that about him. I love that he just says what he thinks. Yeah, and I,
0: I did like the Trump sons on there. I'm kind of, I'm kind of overall the same recurring character as an update. But there's one that always wins me over by the end. It's Alex Moffat as uh, Eric Trump. That always will make me laugh because he's doing shtick and he's really good at it.
1: I agree with that. Although I would really, really love I wrote this down. If we're talking about celebrity random cameos, I think Paul Rudd would make an excellent Eric Trump.
0: (laughs) So wait a minute. We're here crapping on celebrities making cameos and Joni is suggesting new ones.
1: Uh, just the one. Just the one.
0: <laughs> That's a gateway cameo, Joni.
1: <laughs> it is It is not. Paul Rudd would be so good at it.
0: <laughs>
1: Tell me I'm wrong. Tell me I'm wrong that Paul Rudd would make a great Trump son. Come on.
0: I will not. I will admit to nothing. My dad, again, was a lawyer, and I admit to nothing. I will not. And by, by, by the way, Paul Rudd is not here, but Paul Rubens is here. Pee Wee Herman himself is here in the studio. <laughs> Okay, so the second half of this Chance the Rapper episode, I don't like it all. I didn't like Mistakes in Space. I mean, I've, whatever. There's nothing outstanding about that. The Dazzle designs, that was like Joni. Joni loves that, but I, I did nothing for me.
1: I, no, no, no. I didn't love it. I thought there was a missed opportunity. Okay. I thought it could have been great, but it wasn't.
0: And that werewolf sketch at the end. I mean, God bless Keenan for trying to sell that sketch. It was a bunch of new people and then Keenan overacting a sketch that's never going to work because it's too broad. And Keenan might have actually made it worse. One of the rare times he may have overplayed it too much. But like, like I, I appreciated the spirit of that sketch. It just didn't work for me at all, that werewolf one.
1: No, me either. I literally, that, was the, that was the moment where I wrote down, I hate this episode so much.
0: <laughs> wow, that was even after the wires sketch. So the wires was not the one that broke you
1: no the wire the wire one was miserable it was so bad and that was another one that a lot of people online liked and i don't get it it looks like it's the kind of sketch where i thought this is fun for the people who are doing it to do but miserable for the rest of us it is a little kids dance recital you go because they're having fun but it's miserable for you that's actually a very good description i like that that it's yeah
0: it looked like it was fun to do right from the start i'm like this is going to be so broad and stupid i'm not going to like it but again it steers into a lot of snl's bad habits like they're doing a sketch I think that they're intentionally trying to break because they're, they're messing with so many different performance elements that are probably going to go wrong that that is actually the humor in the sketch. Watch this sketch go off the rails, which I like when that happens organically. I never respect when they set up a sketch just that's it's going to fail on purpose because they know that will be the p- funny part of it.
1: At least not when it's going to go that long. I think that, I mean, you see people like Jimmy Fallon do this or they used to do it on Whose Line Is It Anywhere where you had like Ryan Styles standing there doing a sketch while Colin mockery was his hands. And I mean, it's a, it's a classic kind of ridiculous bit of physical comedy, but when it goes on that long, it loses its punch.
0: Yeah. It's too gratuitous. That's the thing.
1: Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I, but I did see
0: that was a very popular sketch. People liked it online. They loved it. And I'm like, that, to me, that's not the audience that SNL should be going for. But again, I'm not the showrunner, so whatever. But yeah, that, right. that one drove me insane. And now, now I'm kind of turning on this Chance the Rapper episode again. I talked you
1: out of it. <laughs>
0: you did. Now, I was giving it a thumbs up, and Joni has physically turned my thumb down. So I'm, I'm still kind of on the fence, and I liked it more the second time. But there's stuff in this episode that's just so emblematic of the problems SNL has that I can't really endorse it.
1: Yeah, I agree. There there are some things that if you're looking at it, again, in that context of these last four episodes, where it's definitely better than the worst of it, but it's not, it's, I wouldn't call it a good episode.
0: All right. So there we go. There is our middling faint praise of the Chance the Rapper episode, which might indeed be the best of these four episodes. So watch out. Oh, You think it's better than the Will Ferrell episode? We will get to that. That is a question that has plagued scholars for eons, Joni. Oh, wow. <laughs> Ever since last week.
1: Well, it's a good thing that we've got the professor from Clue here to help us out. Oh, my God. The professor? Yep. Christopher Lloyd himself. Professor Plum. All right. Plumster's in the house.
0: So here we go, Joni, into your own personal ring of hell here. Now, before we go to the Kristen Stewart episode, I should point out, I will set you up nicely here, that Joni wrote in her notes that she used to be a teacher at some highfalutin English academy in Utah, where she taught the highest, most gifted students in Utah, and she was like a teacher (laughs) of the month. You're like a big shot teacher. And she said in her notes, half of her job back in her previous life was teaching kids English. The other half was making fun of Kristen Stewart.
1: That is 100% accurate.
0: (laughs) Now why? Now why? Speaking of which, Kristen Stewart is here. So we're talking to her. She's right here.
1: And I would tell this to her face. (laughs) So I don't even feel bad about it. No, there's a really funny YouTube video I used to show my students before we did any kind of public, not like public speaking or just presentation assignment. That's called Speak Like Kristen Stewart. And it's this actress who mocks. So many of the habits that Kristen Stewart has when she speaks and you could literally play a drinking game with this, with these tips if you wanted to force yourself to watch this episode again, things like how you, how she always looks nauseous uh, or she suddenly notices her hair. Uh, one of the biggest things she does that drives me nuts is turning declarative sentences into questions. Uh, don't look at the audience when you talk to them. <laughs> She's so miserable to watch. And then there's another, like there's a whole string of videos where people have taken All of the films that she's in, and I haven't, I haven't seen any of them recently. So maybe she's gotten better. I don't know. But they, they take all of Twilight, and it's just video of her going (laughs) over and over and over again. (laughs) Like that's her acting. It's random breathing, and I find her so incredibly boring. (laughs) I don't understand. I don't understand. Was this part of your
0: syllabus in your class that they were required to make fun of Kristen Stewart?
1: No, but it should have been.
0: (laughs) I mean, they were gifted. You want to teach them the life skills that will help them. Making fun of Kristen Stewart would seem like it would help them in the long run.
1: (laughs) You know, we tried to give them people that they should admire, not people they should avoid. But I guess I did, you know, specialize in in anti-Kristen Stewart propaganda. So here we go. So, I'm guessing off the top of my head, you did not like this episode. This episode was physically painful, and just talking about it now, I'm breaking out in hives. So, this is going to be good. Let's get this over with.
0: (laughs) Okay, so, we start off with an Elizabeth Warren ad, which a lot of people on Twitter said, that wasn't really so much a comedy sketch as it was a campaign ad for Elizabeth Warren.
1: It was. It felt a lot like, actually, probably my favorite Kate sketch in recent years, which shows how long it's been since I really liked a Kate sketch, um, was when Hillary was running for president in 2016. And she morphed into Bernie Sanders as Mm -hmm. the sketch went forward. And her tagline was, I'm Hillary Clinton, and I'm whoever you want me to be. I loved that sketch because it was so, it was so, it was such a great commentary on how Hillary's campaign was being perceived. And I thought this sketch was in some ways reminiscent of that. Is that because her Elizabeth
0: Warren sounds just like her Hillary Clinton?
1: They rely on her for so many impressions that in some ways I feel bad for her because the really good impressions are generally when an actor has the opportunity to really just focus in and study and really just kind of master the little things they do. Like I think back at um, at like actually like Amy Poehler's version of Hillary Clinton or um, Tina Faye's Sarah Palin, where they really were just honed in on those characters. Mm-hmm. And Kate gets so many politicians thrown at her at a week. How can we expect her to be really good at impersonating any of them? She just goes into default male politician, default female politician.
0: Although you did spell this out in your notes, that isn't so much a criticism on Kate as it is how weak the male SNL cast member bases. They don't really have anybody to play a lot of these people.
1: Oh, it's so true. Yeah, I feel bad. I, in that way, I feel bad for her because I think, I think Kate McKinnon is a really great comedian. I think the show is doing her a disservice right now by not letting her breathe. <laughs>
0: And speaking of politicians, former president Jimmy Carter is now in the studio.
1: Oh, great. And right next to him, Richard Nixon. Nixon. They got Nixon. They did. Wow. (laughs) I saw some political ads for him today, actually. It's total sidebar. Speaking of SNL humor, and it was things like, don't let you can't lick our dick was one of his campaign was one of his campaign buttons. <laughs> They're running pro Nixon ads.
0: You really do live in the Midwest.
1: <laughs> I don't actually anymore. I live in Florida, which is so much worse. <laughs> <laughs>
0: Alright. So so Kristen Stewart we got the Elizabeth Warren thing. Then we got the monologue, which I know you and I want nothing to do with because it's just Kristen Stewart speaking like Kristen Stewart.
1: Oh yeah. It was it was I mean, bless them. They were definitely catering to her. And her awkwardness, they really leaned into it, but I just don't care. <laughs> no. I thought it was lame.
0: Okay, there's a lot of sketches in this episode I don't like, and I don't want to just continually bash them, but I have to talk about this War Factory sketch, which again oh is my just gosh. 80 and Kate putting on their own show that doesn't really... Like it could not have been more symbolic that that sketch starts with Chloe doing her Rosie the Riveter and then Heidi doing whatever she's doing. And they're doing stick for the cameras and they're like, but enough of these new people, let's cut back to Kate and 80 doing their stuff.
1: Oh my gosh. And I actually, the, the note that I wrote down on this sketch, I only wrote one was, do you think the 80 Stu, doing Kate watch newsies to prepare for this sketch? Because that's what it felt like. It felt like a bunch of teenage boys trying to, show mr pulitzer who's boss and i just waited for a pelvic thrust because that's what i associate with newsies
0: <laughs> and i i feel bad because we we i'm guessing we're both doing it now that i'm really kind of tired of ad and kate doing their shtick and i feel bad because they were once very strong cast members and i love them but they, i think they just stuck around too long so i feel bad that i've kind of turned on them now that they've entered the Kristen wig zone but uh yeah unfortunately that's where we are at this point
1: yeah, I think that's an accurate description is that they, they've been used so much so often and the show relies on them so much that they feel a little bit, if we want to jump ahead just a little to that Will Ferrell sketch of the teacher who stays around at the party too long. I yes. feel like that's that's how I would describe them right now. Now,
0: my wife, we were just talking about this the other day. My wife made a similar analogy like that to 80, especially. She's like, if you go back and watch 80s first couple seasons on the show, she was always like the put-upon woman. If you remember the girlfriend's talk show, Oh yeah. Like all the popular girls in 80s, like I'm just sitting here doing my best. (laughs) Uh That that was 80s shtick. She was the put upon one. She was a not cool one. She was kind of the awkward one. And now it's my wife pointed out. She's like, every sketch is 80 pops up on screen. She looks at the camera. She's like, this is going to be really funny. Like it's like that vanity piece for 80. So like her role on the on the show has totally changed. My wife's
1: like, I like the old
0: 80s so much more.
1: Yeah. I think that works a little bit more. I think that's why, again, like leaning forward a little bit to another episode, but the, um, the Joan song, I think, kind of worked for people because it does go back to a little bit of that old school 80 idea.
2: Yeah, and
0: speaking of Joan, we have former Oscar nominee Joan Allen is now here.
2: Linda <laughs> the
0: Oh,
1: our show is saved.
0: <laughs> okay, so there's a sketch here that I've seen some very mixed reactions to. I did not like this one at all. Most of the internet seemed to really like this one. I had a friend yesterday on Facebook say, you have to talk about that Kalua sketch, which was 80's greatest invention in like five years. So what did you think of the Kalua, the Pharaoh and Ball designer paint sketch?
1: I thought the first half of it was okay. Uh, It reminded me a little bit of, speaking of shows that I finished watching, Catherine O'Hara in Schitt's Creek, where she has this kind of, really affected way of speaking where she says like bebe instead of baby like saying kalur reminded me a little bit of that with this very heightened I'm trying to be sophisticated speech I thought that worked but as soon as they got to the baby daddy scandal and the choreographed fight where there was a punch that definitely was like two feet away like <laughs> the cameraman definitely caught that wrong Um, it didn't it didn't work for me so the first half I was okay with the last half I thought was weak
0: Yeah. And I was kind of surprised. A lot of people really love that sketch and I'm not going to talk too much crap about it. If you loved it, it just, that one didn't do anything for me, but I was kind of surprised that one got such a high response on the internet. So
1: whatever. Yeah, me too. I was really surprised by that. I thought that of the, of the sketches in this, particular episode that are in any way praiseworthy, that wasn't one that was near the top of my list either.
0: Yeah, and I know you and I kind of agree on this, that I think there were only really two highlights in this episode and one of them was the Talking to Children, the Duolingo pre tape which I think universally everyone liked that one. That one was pretty well done.
1: Yeah, I thought that one worked. I thought it definitely, like it leaned into Kristen Stewart's awkwardness, but it also allowed her to be a little bit better because I do think she's better pre-taped. I don't think she's great pre-taped, but she's definitely better pre-taped than she is live. And then the other one that I think we
0: both like was the White House press briefing with Cecily and the dog. Yeah, that one worked. Yeah. And I didn't like I didn't love that one, but I could see the humor in that one. And I got where they were going. And and I'm going to call this out much more in the Harry Styles episode where SNL will just throw a dog on there, assuming the dog crowd will love this audit this episode now. But it's not too gratuitous in this one. This one I thought actually
2: was pretty good.
1: Yeah, this one this one made sense. It was a current event. And I do I did write down. I, I do wonder if Cecily really likes animals or really hates them. Like she gets a lot of the dog sketches. <laughs> yeah. It's
0: my personal belief would be, I think she's the biggest pro that she can react to anything. She's the best improviser probably. So they know if all hell breaks loose, she's the only one that could probably handle it.
1: That's true. She held it together in this sketch pretty well, even though when you're working with an animal, you get what you get.
0: <laughs> yeah. And then we come to the second half of this episode, which I have circled nothing. I have nothing worth talking about in this episode. I'm going to run through a couple of things here. You can jump in if you want to talk about the kickflip, the song about corporate nightmares, song, whatever.
1: Yeah, I wrote, I already hate this. And yeah, I don't have anything to say about this one. So skip.
0: <laughs> I just watched it last night. And in my notes, I wrote, I've already forgotten this. Yep. <laughs> so, and then we had weekend update with uh, the kid genius, Riley Jensen, Melissa's new character.
1: Yeah, the only part of the sketch that worked for me there was that I'm not smart, I'm just polite bit at the end, because I think that is really reminiscent of a lot of kids who end up hitting it big on talk shows and the internet, where they're not really anything particularly extraordinary. They're just really nice. <laughs> okay, well, um, yeah, there, there are very
0: few times up to this point in her career when Melissa's done anything that I have really liked. I just don't. I, I don't see the appeal in her yet as a cast member. Maybe someday she'll win me over. But I thought that was a very odd choice for her. Like It's one thing to have her play this precocious kid, because she's probably good at that. But then you give her Heidi as the stage mom. And Heidi is so much of a stronger cast member than Melissa that she immediately overshadows Melissa in her own sketch. Yeah, I thought it was a very odd pairing to pair melissa with heidi because like i even wrote in my notes this is more of a heidi showcase than a melissa because heidi's great at this overbearing mom and she's stealing the show so i thought it was very unfortunate for melissa that they pair her with a who's going to be if she's not already one of the all-time future great scene stealers
1: yeah yeah i i completely agree on that one and then uh we got the kate and Heidi again doing
0: their meat delivery which i just wrote no in my notes. yeah <laughs> but then we got a bunch of stuff i i I've forgotten all of the last half hour of this episode where we get the jury where they all break into the song based on their stomach growling. That was so weird. <laughs> now, some people like that. Now, admittedly, I don't know the song that that sketch was based off, but I don't think it was good even if I know the song. It's such a – what's the right word? It's not a premise that I respect much for a sketch.
1: Yeah, yeah. It's it's a little um, – oh, by the way, Melissa McCarthy just showed up. <laughs> Um, And Melissa McCarthy reminded me of people catering to their demographic. And they're totally catering to a very specific demographic here that I am not a part of.
0: (laughs) Yeah, although I do have to point out Bowen as the uh, the the bailiff where he comes in and he like says one line and you remember it and it's funny. That he's becoming very good at that. He'll just get one line in a sketch and you'll remember it because he's just kind of naturally kind of funny. So I just want to point that out, that I like what Bowen can add to a sketch, even though he hasn't been able to carry too many sketches yet.
1: Yeah, I think they're still kind of trying to figure out what to do with him because right now his his general premise seems to be I play gay Asians. Mm-hmm. And it'd be nice to see what maybe a little bit more variety he does. What he does, he does well. It'd be good to see a little bit more from that.
0: Okay. Now, speaking of gay Asians, I've heard that Tom Hanks is here. Wait, wait, wait! My producer is telling me he's not neither gay nor Asian. Never. That segue did not work. Shoot! (laughs) Damn it. Well, we'll cut that out.
1: We need to come up with another gay Asian.
0: (laughs) Bowen Yang. Bowen Yang is here.
1: (laughs) We found one. (laughs)
0: <laughs> okay and then the end of this kristen stewart sketch i swear i've watched these sketches like three times now and i still forget them the baltimore club with ego and keenan and then kristen's like hitting on her and then the star hike where they see the sex the uh x-rated you know the uh, constellations like no one's gonna remember those sketches i've already forgotten them and i just watched them yesterday
1: i know well and, and now that you bring i totally forgotten about baltimore club too and i think it's Uh, Yeah, I'm finding it really interesting that both of those sketches kind of hit one right after the other, that we ended up with these two sketches that leaned really hard into sex humor right one after the other. And neither of them worked because, again, they hit the punchline so early. There's nowhere for it to go.
0: Yeah. Overall, I have to say this Kristen Stewart episode was just dreadful. And I I think that tended to be the consensus among most people. Again, if people are listening and they liked it, more power to you. But that seemed to be the consensus from what I read, that most people, A, did not expect a good episode out of Kristen Stewart, and B, got exactly what they expected. Yeah, why is she back? She's been here before. Well, you got to remember, this is a show that has gave Jonah Hill five hosting appearances, and I cannot name one sketch he's ever done that was good. So the the decision-making is not always what I would do.
1: Uh, yeah, 100%. <laughs> I can think of so many people I would rather have hosted in these last three episodes than the people we got. Will Ferrell, I understand, but Harry Styles, Kristen Stewart, and Chance the Rapper, I just don't understand. But I'm also, but I'm also not part of that group. I don't, like, I'm not really part of the pop music
0: Kristen Stewart fan base. So. <laughs> it makes more sense when you realize that Charlie's Angels was just an international mega hit and made billions of dollars. And so it makes, sorry, our producer is telling us, no, it was a huge flop. So I guess that makes less sense now.
1: Yeah. And Elizabeth Banks is actually here to talk about why it was a huge flop right now.
0: Oh, this is going to be awkward. Yep. (laughs) Okay. So the Kristen Stewart episode, not strong. And now we're going to get to the episode that I think was even worse. Oh, my God, this Harry style. Now, a lot of people like this episode. I was really kind of shocked. And I'm like, am I wrong? Did I miss something with this Harry Styles episode that I, that it was really good? But then I watched it again this morning, and I'm like, no, this is terrible.
1: Yeah, it's. I think the only thing that I have to recommend this episode is that Harry Styles himself is a really good sport. Mm-hmm. But that's about it. I
0: liked on second lot viewing. I liked the Sarah Lee Instagram for what they were trying to do with it, and I liked that's the game that Chris Red pre taped. I thought that was very uh-huh. well done, and it would have been like a really good classic with perhaps better writers and performers in it, but still it was well done, and like I, it wasn't embarrassing. But there was some stuff in this episode that was like, I, I will, I will give you an analogy here, Joni. Let's go for it. The cold opening here, this impeachment soap opera, maybe yes. one of the worst things I've ever seen on SNL. And it reminded me oh, of something, so yeah, my kids are both, or my daughter just graduated high school, my son's in high school, and they're like, you know who I hate in high school? And they both agree on this. My kids never agree on anything. They're like, there's these kids in high school who are in comedy sports, improv comedy. And mm-hmm. he's like, they're both like, these kids think they are so funny and they are intolerable. They're like watching Robin Williams on his worst riffing day ever. They're just intolerable. <laughs> this opening sketch, honest to God, feels like a bunch of high school kids doing uh, comedy sports. Oh, it totally does. It's terrible. There's nothing in the sketch that's even remotely funny. The audience, it's, it's hilarious. If you listen to the audience, they're like, huh, like they're not even laughing. They're just, huh. it's like they're humoring the performers. I do not know how this got on the air. This was one of the most painful things I have ever seen on SNL.
1: It was so bad. And not least of which, because the moment they're choosing to mock was funny enough, kind of on its own. <laughs> so trying to, trying to accentuate that, I I feel like it might might have made a little bit more sense if they had picked a different part of the impeachment trial or just made something up. But instead, they picked a part that was kind of legitimately entertaining in its own right. And yeah, the only part, speaking of Melissa, I think the only part that maybe kind of worked for me is treating AOC like a telenovela star, I thought kind of worked, but that was about it. <laughs> that's, that's all I have. That's the only recommendation I have for this, is that something kind of-ish worked.
0: You know, speaking of uh, Latin American stars, the Brazilian TV star Shusha is here. Are you familiar with Shusha? No. How are you familiar with Shusha? <laughs> I know Shusha because she made a children's show back in the day. Anyway, Shusha is here in the studio today from Brazil.
1: Welcome. Wow. We are, we are in the deep cuts now. <laughs> <laughs> oh, we're going to get more obscure.
0: You should see which cameos we have lined up later.
1: <laughs> so anyway, yeah, this impeachment soap
0: opera... Just astoundingly bad. And it does lead me into the question. Do they think that they know how to write political humor? Do they really think they're pulling this off on the show? I'm
1: honestly, I'm, I'm very curious what they would say to that. I'm really curious about that, too, because to me, the only political commentary that's worked on SNL for a really long time has been Weekend Update. And I think it's because they can let particularly our president do his own talking because he, he is in and of himself laughable. And so letting him do his own thing and just showcasing the video is humor enough. We don't need to necessarily try and amp that up because amping it up just feels childish. Letting him be his own child works way better. And so I I I am very curious about the answer to that question myself. It's
0: really weird. Like if I'm not good at something, I don't publicly do it. I do not go out and hip hop <laughs> dance for people because I know Mario is not good at that. That is not what Mario is put on earth to do. And that is how I feel when I watch SNL these days. I'm like the people who are making the show were not put on earth to make politi- do political humor and do political sketches. So why do you still do it? Anyway, that's my, my little commentary.
1: Yeah, I think it's really interesting that the people that have been the best, I think, at political commentary on SNL in recent years are now going elsewhere to do political commentary elsewhere. And most of them were also involved in Weekend Update.
0: That's a very good point. Very astute observation by our, our student, Miss Newman here. <laughs> right. so, so uh yeah this episode starts off still and this is this is a observation i have about all four of these episodes now when i re them on binge they were not that bad like the, the chance the rapper one and the will ferrell one are fairly strong if you can pick and choose and fast forward but watching snl live is kind of a chore these days because you got to get through the first 20 minutes of every episode oh it's so true and this Harry Styles one is especially, it's just no energy, like his monologue, a lot of people liked, a lot of people said, oh, he was great. And I'm like, but it was so low energy. It just did not get me psyched up for the show at all.
1: Yeah, he was really, I, I kept thinking, in fact, he made a joke about the cast doing cocaine. Him coming in and making that joke did make me laugh. But also I wondered if he was currently drugged because he was so low energy the entire episode. And I think that must be just his personality, but it doesn't make for a particularly engaging host.
0: Yeah, no, I, I totally can. And speaking of low energy, Jim Henson is here.
2: <laughs>
0: that was terrible. That was so bad. <laughs> so, anyway, so anyway, yeah, so... Uh,
1: he's brought animal. <laughs> he's
0: brought Wow, animals here too. All right. <laughs> no we got we got jokes about hands up puppets butts later we'll get there (laughs) so yeah so this harry style episode um let's see the childbirth class i could not have hated that sketch more (laughs) yeah popeye's chicken sandwiches i don't even know what what they were really trying for in that sketch
1: there was something going on recently with popeye's chicken sandwiches in the news. i want to say it was something where they just like run out and there'd been some sort of fight over it i don't know
0: Well, yeah, there's two. They ran out of chicken. That's one. There's the other one with the Chick-fil-A being homophobic and Popeye's is like the antidote to the homophobia. But like in this sketch, the joke was only black people get to eat Popeye's and white people don't. Like, was that the joke? I I was not aware that was a thing.
1: Maybe because Popeye's is a Southern thing. Do they have Popeye's in California? Yeah, we go there at least once a month.
0: It's all over the place in California.
1: I'd never heard of
0: Popeye's until I moved to Florida. Oh, yeah. Yeah, it's the... Yeah, the Louisiana version of KFC. But yeah, they're all over the country now.
1: Yeah, I yeah. then I don't get it. The only commentary I really had on the Popeye's chicken sandwich sketch was that Harry Styles apparently has glued those rings to his hands because <laughs> they'd never come off.
0: Let's talk about this Jones sketch which does nothing for me whatsoever because it's the two things that I'm getting really tired of on SNL, which is Adie Bryant writing a show just for herself and pandering to the dog crowd. If we just put a dog in a sketch, we'll get the dog lovers to love the sketch. So this one didn't do anything for me, but I know this one was fairly popular on the Internet. So I'm thinking, what did you think of this one?
1: The, my commentary was that I think we can all be in agreement that Adie wrote this sketch just for the purpose of having Harry Styles pretend to be in love with her.
0: <laughs> hey, hard to argue.
1: Yeah, no, I'm I, I'm completely sure that's what happened. I think the same thing happened probably in the childbirth class. It was as though specific writers were like, okay, but I want Harry Styles to be in love with me here. I want Harry Styles to be in love with me here. I want him to touch me. You know, like <laughs> He's supposed to be this big beauty icon. I don't get it. But apparently people think he's beautiful. And so that was my guess. My My former students were obsessed with Harry Styles once upon a time. I don't understand the appeal.
0: <laughs> All right. So let's transition here. I want to talk about Heidi Gardner in this childbirth sketch, okay. <laughs> just because it brings up a lot of uh, arguments over Heidi. Some people love Heidi Gardner. Some people do not like her at all. Um, I happen to think she's one of the greatest things since sliced bread. My wife absolutely cannot stand her. It's a interesting dilemma, but this sketch in particular is very emblematic of that. Where I think that's true. She is out there putting her heart and soul into a character. She will not break character. She's locked in. But the character itself
1: is probably not that funny. I think that's a really great observation of Heidi in that she, she really knows how to zone in and just be present in a sketch. But the writing they give her is not always great.
0: Yeah, absolutely. She can do things that nobody else on that show can do. And it's it's pretty obvious the more you pay attention to her. Although, Ego, I think she is pretty good at a lot of stuff, too. Those two, I think, have a lot of potential. But again, we just need a better—that's what my wife says every week—we need a better writing staff. They just don't have good writers on the show, and they get all this praise, but they're just not very strong. But yeah, I can always—someone like Robert Smigel come in there, or Jim Downey, and throw their words into Heidi— and man, she, she could really take off. So that's my hope for yeah. Heidi, because I see it. I see this now why people don't like Heidi. And it's, it's just her characters are well-performed, but they aren't that funny. And that's unfortunately a problem.
1: Yeah, and I don't think it's her fault. Um, in the same way that I feel a little bit bad for Kate being, you know, given the burden of bearing the entire show on her shoulders. Um, I think Heidi's getting the short end of the stick. And I think that's unfortunate because there are times when she does sketches like like this one, which aren't necessarily inherently wonderful, but she's so zoned into it and so dedicated to this ridiculous idea that even if I didn't like the sketch, I look back on it and I go, you know what, she did a good job with what she was given, and I'll give her props for that.
0: Yeah. So we are still on the Heidi bandwagon, but there's, an, there's always an asterisk with Heidi. I'm just kind of waiting to see if that asterisk will go away. Although, Joni, I will say, speaking of Zeus, The Thunder God himself is here in the studio. Zeus is here. You have so many
1: great connections.
0: (laughs) You know, what's funny is I invited Hephaestus as well, the blacksmith, but there's no ramp. So he couldn't get up here. It's not handicapable.
1: Oh, that's so unfortunate. (laughs) Kind of like, did you watch the dog show this weekend? I did not watch the dog show. My favorite part about Thanksgiving is the dog show. And the winner was a bulldog named Thor who also needed a ramp because he weighs 60 pounds and he's mammoth and adorable. <laughs> and it was really precious.
0: I cannot believe Thor has not cameoed on SNL yet Thor <laughs> the bulldog. Well, I mean, they have every other goddamn dog on the show. <laughs> <laughs> Thank <laughs> you <laughs> for setting me good. up. You set me up for that one.
1: <laughs> also for the record, I would pay an enormous amount of money to have Chris Hebsworth and the bulldog Thor co-host an episode.
0: <laughs> we'll see. That might be the season finale this year.
1: If I could make that happen, then I would co-host these with you forever.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Okay, so the flight crew sketch is a wonderful example of material that is not good. It is not strong whatsoever at all, but they're trying their best with it. You have AD and and Keenan. Keenan is heroically, and Ego are trying to save that sketch. And up in the cockpit, Mikey Day does a good job. And even Harry Styles. I got to say, in this one, he's pretty funny. I like Harry Styles in this one. But the material is so weak that nobody's going to save it. It's just a dead sketch.
1: Yeah. Yeah. In fact, as soon as the sketch started, I wrote down, their mics are on. That's the whole gag. And then, of course, their mics were on. And that was the whole gag. <laughs> <laughs> very
0: prescient of you. Yeah, well done. Okay. That's the game. The uh, pre-tape. I didn't really love this one the first time. This is where Chris Red is the drug dealer that doesn't get how drug deals work, which I didn't like it at first. It was very well received on the Internet. I watched it again this morning, and I found myself laughing at most of it. So I've I've kind of come around on this one. I do like this one now.
1: That's good. Yeah, I wrote on this one that I thought it might be funny. Uh, It was cleverly written. I thought it was well-performed. It it didn't really make me laugh, but it didn't make me cringe. So that's you know about as good as we're getting some days.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Faint praise. That's what we're all about here on SNL After Party. Well, this is as good as the show can do.
1: But it's not, and that's so frustrating.
0: Yeah. The, my only criticism on that is the game is it goes on too long. It's a little, Definitely. a couple minutes too long. Yep. Okay, so we go through weekend update. We have the milk spokesperson, Scooter Reinhold, who I know you didn't like at all.
1: Yeah, my commentary on that was yeesh, Kyle, pull back.
0: <laughs> yeah, no, I, I like Kyle. I didn't really. I mean, Scooter was good for a couple minutes, but it's not like an SNL legendary commentary or anything.
1: Yeah, and if you really want a very good tutorial on how less is more, then we should ask our good friend Jake Lloyd, who just showed up in the studio. <laughs>
0: Jake Lloyd is here. Oh, my God. Little Annie.
1: Oh, little orphan Annie. <laughs>
0: <Yes>. <laughs> That's good. I never thought of that. <laughs> OK, so let's get up to the Sarah Lee Instagram sketch. Now, first off, the Internet loved this sketch. And I know it, they said oh, it was a very specific. If you're part of, you know, the gay online community, you know, all the words, all the phrases they're using. You've seen this <laughs> must get rid of toxic in community. The first time I watched it, I'm like, you know, we've seen sketches like this before, like with Barbie and Mattel and stuff, them doing ads. Mm-hmm. But again, when I watched this one this morning, this one kind of won me over. Again, even though it's very specific to certain people that will get the jokes and the humor in this, I really appreciated where they were going with it. And I liked the performances other than Harry Styles, I felt was terrible in this one. He has no energy whatsoever.
1: Yeah, that's 100% accurate, but he never has any energy like that's, I mean, he's he's a lot like Kristen Stewart in that way. What you get from him is what you always get from him. <laughs> Although, to his credit, he held an accent in a handful of different sketches, and that's not easy. So mm-hmm. good for him, I guess. All right. That's a good.
0: I, <laughs> I didn't notice that. Now, it wasn't a British accent because he is British, right? So, you know, that's his real speaking yeah. voice.
1: I did. I did know that he was British. No, in the childbirth class, they gave him some weird like. What were they trying to do? Their Finnish or Icelandic. Icelandic, yeah. They're they're going for IKEA. Yeah, they um yeah. I mean, he tried to go this Icelandic pop star route and more or less held it. But yeah, I I thought I thought Sarah Lee was okay, but not because of him, but because of the the others. They were good.
0: Yeah, and just the very specific language in this one. I even wrote down, wreck me daddy and destroy me king, which are phrases I will now implement into my own life, probably much to my detriment. But yeah, I like this one. I know it was popular on the internet. I know there was a thing that people were going on to Sarah Lee's actual Instagram page and writing, wreck me daddy, destroy me king, and must get rid of toxic in community. And Sarah Lee was not amused.
1: (laughs) Yeah, that probably wouldn't be good for their image. Yes. Okay, so and then we go to the end of the Harry
0: Styles episode. We had Baby Faye and the News Guys, which did nothing for me, went on way too long. I'm like, good Lord. Now, you as a stage actress might have liked this one a little more. What did you think of Baby Faye?
1: I, I thought kind of like the Wizard of Oz sketch in the next episode. I thought that they might be doing this sketch simply because adie and Cecily have ambitions on being in Gypsy and never got those ambitions fulfilled as children. So now they have to do it as... Grown ass women. <laughs>
0: <laughs> and this does back up right into the theory that Ad, Kate, and Cecily are kind of putting on the show for themselves at this point. They're not really part of the rest of the show.
1: Yeah, a hundred percent. And everybody wants to pretend that Harry Styles is in love with them. Also, Chuck Mark here.
0: <laughs> oh yeah, I mean, I'd, I'm right there in that group. I've been waiting for him to be in love with me for years.
1: Uh, we'll have to get him onto the next episode. We'll we'll see if we can get him to profess his love for you. All right. He's not here today.
0: <laughs> I was so hoping he was going to wreck me, Daddy.
1: No, he will not wreck you, Daddy. Damn it. I'm never going to call you Daddy again. <laughs> <laughs>
0: Thank you. That's, and in your contract, that you're never allowed to say that. So that's good.
1: Never again. Never again. <laughs> so we
0: finish off this Harry Styles episode with the funeral, the funeral DJs, the hip-hop party, which, I mean, it was okay. It was nothing special. I, I like the energy. Like, it actually added some energy to the end of the show, which was nice. But I was already so checked out on this episode that I really didn't care that much.
1: Yeah. My commentary on the funeral sketch was, oh, look, Pete Davidson is still in the cast. Oh,
0: good. Okay, so we finished the first three episodes, and now we get to the cherry on top of the Sunday, the Will Ferrell episode, which, before we get into this, I will fully admit, when I watched it live, I'm like, what a disappointment. I was so almost insulted by that episode. That's the episode, they have arguably the greatest SNL cast member in history on the show, and that is the episode they choose to do. I was very, almost insulted that's what they gave us. On retrospect, I watched it again this morning. I I think it's pretty good. It's a pretty good episode, which again, I put the little asterisk next to. I cannot say that a pretty good episode of Will Ferrell should be the ideal. You should be able to do an outstanding episode. So I don't like that. It was only pretty good, but it's not as bad as the previous two episodes.
1: Yeah. And I think that really in many ways, this episode highlights exactly the flaws that we've been talking about with SNL as a whole in that it doesn't have great writing and that the supporting cast really needs a shakeup because Will Ferrell is a brilliant comedian and he should be able to do better than this and have much better material to work with. Um, and I, I I'll give Will Ferrell props because he, he really, really elevated some really stupid ideas. Um, I'll think about like the Heinz commercial Um It was such a weird juvenile idea, but in some ways, I think that sketch worked a little bit better than it could have with any other guest because Will Ferrell knows how to tell a joke.
0: The thing that I was going to say is that I've always heard that Will Ferrell is like one of the nicest guys in show business. Mm -hmm. I could picture him showing up to SNL and everyone's in awe of him and they're like, look, we've written these sketches. And Will probably knows they're not very good sketches, but because he's so nice, he will let them put their stuff on the air. He will sell the hell out of it, and he'll do what he can, even though he deserves better material than that. And I think yeah. that's that's what always strikes me when I see Will come back to SNL, that he's such a good, nice guy. He will help sell sketches that probably weren't sellable to begin with, but he's doing his best.
1: Yeah, you could say the same thing thing about him when he guessed it on the office like he when they were phasing michael scott out he had crummy material to work with then too but did his best and really he really does just he doesn't he doesn't cop out he doesn't use crummy material as an excuse not to do the best he can and i really respect that about will ferrell even though i will admit a lot of his comedy isn't my favorite style Mm -hmm. of comedy i have a lot of respect for him as a comedian and as a like general artist human being
0: Yeah, everyone seems to love working with him. They all talk highly of him. So this is the little lesson I took from this episode. When Will comes back to host SNL, don't get your hopes up. It's going to be amazing, edgy material because that's not what Will really does. Like lower your expectations a little bit that everyone's going to get their stuff on the air and Will's going to do his best to elevate it. But it probably will not be amazing. So if you go into a Will Ferrell episode with that mindset, I think you'll probably be happy with what comes out. Yeah, I think that's true. So we start with one of the worst cold openings of the season, which is uh, saying something, even for this season, Trump in front of a helicopter.
1: I literally yawned the second the sketch started, and I think the yawn continued until it was over.
0: Must get rid of toxic and cold opening. That's all I wrote. It
1: was so bad. And then we get the monologue, which, now
0: Will's never going to have great monologues. He's not a stand-up comic. And you get the thing with Ryan Reynolds, which is cute, but again, another pointless cameo. So, I mean, if you don't like cameos, I can see why you might not like this.
1: Yeah, although I think that if they are going to do cameos then they should do them like this one in that it wasn't just this pointless walk on say a couple lines and be done just for the for the attention. They actually utilized Ryan Reynolds throughout the sketch and then brought him back later so that it like that one to me if they're going to do, continue to do these cameos, this one felt less gratuitous and less pointless.
0: Yeah. Although I should point out that Ryan Reynolds was in the movie Green Lantern. Green Lantern's arch nemesis Sinestro is here. <laughs> Yikes. I'm I'm a little freaked. <laughs> you don't know what kind of names I have in my Rolodex, Joni.
1: I, I'm I, I you have a Rolodex? <laughs> that's that's even more frightening.
0: <laughs> yes, and my twelve pound cellular telephone from
1: nineteen eighty. Oh
0: my gosh. So anyway, I should point out a cameo here by Tracy Morgan, which did not need to be here at all, but whatever. And this is only yeah. one of I think fifteen cameos in this episode if I round up.
1: Yes, although in fairness I thought that the the cameos in the Democratic debate sketch made sense and worked to me. That was my favorite sketch of the night.
0: Even though it was 12 minutes
1: long. I, I on the whole really liked that one, but I think a lot of it is because they were bringing back legitimate comedians for something that definitely I I've always enjoyed the SNL debate sketches. I think they put a lot of effort into them. I don't know why they even did the cold open when they could have just done this one, but they feel I think obligated to open with political sketches they should have just opened with something else and just done this as their political commentary for the week because it was so much better.
0: Okay. We'll get up to the 12 minute behemoth sketch in a second here. Let's go to the the Heinz farting ketchup bottle.
1: All I could think about the whole sketch was that if they did truly make bottles like that, my brothers would buy them in bulk.
0: (laughs) Are your brothers over 18? Because it does say you have to be over 18 to buy it.
1: They are. They are over 18.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Okay. The democratic debate. I just wrote, good Lord, I wrote five cameos. I timed it. The sketch is twelve and a half minutes long almost, which means it's like literally one tenth of the episode. I mean, if take out commercials, it's like one sixth of the episode. yeah, it's a huge part of the episode. When they cut this episode down to an hour for reruns, this will be in there. They will never cut this out' because the cameos. This will be literally almost half the episode in reruns. It's crazy. I hate it. I hated every second of this sketch. I'm like you did you're ruining a will Ferrell episode with this garbage. Well, they had to. No, they don't have to. What do you mean they have? Like,
1: okay. Uh, the well, debate gonna... was that week. They couldn't let that go. Sure. Why people not? Tune, people tune in for those debate sketches. <sighs>
0: uh, okay. Another, another beef I have with the modern era of SNL. You, you see this all the time. It's not specifically what you said, but people say, well, they have to have the celebrity cameos because they need the hits. They need the ratings. I'm like, that argument, though, they need the rating. They need the cheap hits and the viewers, the casual viewers tuning in. That argument works really well for a show that's brand new and needs to survive. Perhaps not a show that's been on for 45 years and is the biggest institution in American comedy. I don't know if they're that desperate to have ratings every week. So I'm just saying I, I, I disagree with the thought process behind the cameos. And I will say also, on top of this, you wrote in your notes, you're like, oh, it's great. At least they brought back legends like Maya and Fred. I don't like Maya and Fred. <laughs> so it's it not I don't. I, it's a dark secret. I don't like that era at all. <sighs>
1: I love Maya Rudolph and Fred
0: Armisen. You can see where I'm coming from. I can see where you're coming from. We will agree to disagree, but I, I have nothing to say about this sketch other than this was the big behemoth that dragged down this episode for me.
1: <laughs> I should probably go back and rewatch it. I, there, there were some lines in there that I thought really worked. Um, I did really, really love the Biden line about saying something off color or worse, on color. <laughs> which is a very appropriate job at Senator Biden. (laughs) I also really, really loved Larry David's line about, or I guess Bernie Sanders' line about having to clap to turn off your lights as a sign of being in the 1% (laughs) because it's such an out-of-date joke and such a great commentary on on Sanders in general. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Um, They really need somebody else to play Elizabeth Warren. So I will say
0: <laughs> we are hitting Kate pretty hard on this uh, podcast. This,
1: this will be our last
0: podcast, by the way, hope you guys enjoy.
1: Oh man. I feel, I feel bad because I really want to like Kate and I'm so tired of her. Okay. So there's our debate.
0: And again, I, I know that was the centerpiece of this episode. I think your your stance on this episode will be very much influenced by how much you like that sketch. I think that will be the litmus test here.
1: Yeah, I think that's fair because it does take up so much of it. it and it happens at the beginning. So it really kind of sets the tone. You kind of underestimate the fact that if you can hit them with really good laughs in the first 20 minutes, your opinion of the episode tends to elevate you because you're a little more forgiving whereas if you start out with say Kristen Stewart and or Harry Styles doing such winning sketches as oh the war factory then you know your your opinion of the episode tends to drop
0: yeah and this Will Ferrell episode in particular I don't have anything that I really loved until the pizza family which is like the seventh sketch in the episode And that's why I I think personally watching these episodes on binge watch is so much easier because you can skim through stuff you don't like. Like the Heinz one is okay. I don't think it's outstanding. I think there is stuff that's outstanding in the pizza family sketch. But again, that's seven sketches into this episode. So I was already checked out for the night. That's why I didn't really like it at the time.
1: Yeah, that's true. It takes it takes a while.
0: Okay, the 1600s Thanksgiving. I don't have a whole lot to say about that one. It was a interesting premise i know in your notes you had some things that you wanted to say that it was a little too on the nose for its own good you thought
1: yeah it's a little too obvious in the in the way that they're trying to commentate on racism and a little bit awkward in that we have will ferrell in brown face <laughs> um i mean they are they are commenting on the attitudes of current white people i guess i mean well i not even i guess if I had Thanksgiving with my dead grandfather this year. That would probably have been our conversation. Um, I love him, but definitely old school, um, semi-white racist. And the, I don't know, it, it just, I I think acknowledging the issues of the sketch at the end was smart. I think they kind of recognized that it was maybe semi-problematic. And that was a lot of the commentary I read on the episode, is that the writing might have been in some ways clever, but on the whole it was a little uncomfy to watch.
0: Yeah. Something about it just didn't really work for me. And I, I was hard to put my finger on what it was like. It, it probably could have worked if it had been acted or portrayed a little different. I don't know this for some reason, this one just didn't really resonate with me. Maybe it was not Melissa. I think I had a problem with the way Melissa was delivering her lines.
1: Yeah. I think that's probably accurate. <laughs> that, that might be a
0: running theme in Mario's criticisms.
1: And also, if we want to talk about like, things that get us hung up on inaccuracies, catch up on your Thanksgiving dinner. Uh, Pocahontas and John Smith did not ever have a thing. Wait, so this was not historically accurate? Are you saying there's a flaw in the sketch, Joni? It's, it's so historically inaccurate. Actually, you know what? It's all accurate except for the John Smith thing. Other than that, 100%. <laughs> so the corn poop stuff, that's all accurate? Oh, definitely. I have friends who still have what they call corn races after Thanksgiving dinner. Why don't you
0: explain to our listeners what a corn
1: race is? they literally check their poop for evidence of corn and the winner gets a prize <laughs> i have really classy friends <laughs>
0: <laughs> so speaking of which the inventor of the toilet thomas crapper is in the studio
1: that is not the inventor of the toilet
0: it's an urban legend but most people think it was thomas crapper but there is a <laughs> it's been a urban legend for years it's it's not true but it's a good jo- don't don't ruin my joke tony
1: Well, you should stand by your joke a little bit more. I would have believed it. All
0: right. So we go through the party. There's this uh, pre-tape about the kids party with the sad old science or a history teacher shows up, English teacher. Now, in your notes, yeah, I I love your notes that you wrote. Do they really have parties like this in real life or is this just in movies?
1: I have never. In fairness, I was never cool. (laughs) I I have never been cool. Never had the desire. I was never invited to a party like this in school and don't know of any of them ever actually happening. So I'm genuinely curious because you see in every television show or movie in which you have teenagers, wild drunken parties like this happen. But I don't know if they happen in real life. I'm actually curious. (laughs) Well, I'm proud
0: to say I was equally uncool. I've never been to a party. I've never even been in a nightclub or a bar in my life. So I don't know. Yeah, see, I I never have. So I'm even possibly less cool than you. So I I would offer that same question. Please write into our SNL after party host, John, and let us know, are there indeed parties like this in real life that we were just not invited to? Because I have the same question that Joni does. Do these things exist?
1: Because if they don't, I want to know how it got started. Like who thought this was a real, like, does this go back to like John Hughes days of idealizing teenager? Like, where did this idea come from?
0: Yeah, I don't a, get it. Yeah, 80s for sure. But the 90s teen movies in particular, they would always yeah. have the party. So the ni- I would blame like uh, Can't Hardly Wait and stuff like that for the most. The saved by the Bell. Yeah, Saved by the Bell. Speaking of which, Saved by the Bell, Zach is here. <laughs> Mark Paul Gossler, MPG, is here. Oh,
1: my gosh. I need to ask him about Kelly. I need to ask him about Kelly and why he went for her instead of Lisa, who is obviously better. Solid argument. Solid. The didn't
0: commentary you come to expect from SNL After Party.
1: <laughs>
0: yeah, so uh, let's see. Did you like that pre-tape? Like, I didn't really, it didn't really resonate with me. I like the end of it better than the start, just because Will was the sad teacher, but it's like, eh, whatever.
1: Yeah, it was, it was weak. It was weird.
0: Okay. Here to me is the first standout of this episode, the pizza family sketch. Now, I don't think think it was outstanding, but it was Kate doing very good Kate things and Will doing very good Will things and Heidi especially doing amazing teenage girl things that I I like seeing these three at the top of their game.
1: I agree. I like I mean, there's a reason they have Heidi play every teenage girl Um, and it's she's she's very good at that, like semi disinterested, awkward, embarrassed teenage girl shtick. She's very good at that.
0: Absolutely, and and the one note that I have here is this. This sketch reminded me of Wake Up and Smile a little. I don't know if do you remember Wake Up and Smile. Remind me. That's the one back in 1995 or six where the it's Will Ferrell and Nancy Walls. They're on the air. They're a morning show, and their teleprompter breaks down. And they don't know what to say, so they devolve into Lord of the Flies, where they start killing oh, people. Oh yeah. <laughs> that there was a little bit of that in this one where Will's wife is gone. And he's supposed to act for the commercial, and he doesn't know what to say, so he tells his daughter tell me about your period. And he tells his son, fight me. So it's like a little bit, yeah. it's, there's a little wake up and smile in there, not quite, but it's in the same general vein. And I just, I like the sketch.
1: Yeah. I liked this one too. Um, I wasn't sure how memorable it would be for me in the long run, but in looking back on the episode, it is one of the ones that I do remember. So I, I liked that everyone was really invested in it. And truthfully, I think it gave kind of a nice, like sweet ish Thanksgiving message, just, you know, as sweet as SNL gets where you've got this family that learns how to talk to each other. You know, it's nice. And that mom's going to get horny over the food. Super important. (laughs) Yeah. And again, Will's done better,
0: done sketches like this better in the past. Kate has done sketches better in the past. But for a nice little slice of them working together, this is a good one. This like when they rerun this episode, I hope they keep the sketch in because this is one of the standouts.
1: Absolutely. I agree.
0: Okay, so we have two more things in this episode, and I like both of these ones at the end, which is why this event this episode won me over on the rewatch the cinema classics Wizard of Oz and the Ventriloquist, which I know we are going to have mixed opinions on the ventriloquist diverging wildly, yeah, <laughs> but let's talk about the Wizard of Oz first, which the first time I watched it, I'm like, yeah, that was kind of cute it was it was okay. The second time when I watched it this morning, I'm like, that was really funny. I really like the way the little munchkins were acting like the ones in the movie, especially when they're doing the little angry dance. If you look at the look on their face with Bowen and Will, especially doing the little, that really made me laugh. So
1: Yeah, I thought the sketch worked for me. I'm not sure why. I don't know if I can like codify what it was about the sketch that worked, but I liked it. <laughs>
0: It just, it was silly and it made me laugh and it doesn't have to be anything more than that, but I will always remember the look on Will and Bowen's face doing that little angry dance. It just, that, that image popped into my head is probably the favorite, my favorite thing in this episode.
1: Yeah. I, I, yeah, I'll agree with that one. It was a good sketch for everybody that was in the sketch was, was good. Even though it was again, kind of an 80 Kate show, it was a good sketch for them. Yeah. All right. Then now we
0: come to the grand conclusion. And when you, you always want to end with the strongest sketch, Joni, you know, that as a performer, you end on the biggest laugh. Oh Yeah. <laughs> the ventriloquist, which I'm guessing was not up your alley as a comedian.
1: My biggest question on this one was whether or not it's a good idea to make fun of consensual touch. <laughs> now,
0: when is anything on SNL a good idea? That's my question.
1: I, I I mean that's true. I just you know, there are there are some issues that are maybe a little bit I don't know. I was I was curious about that one. Um I thought that Will Farrell did a good job in this sketch. Um But I I, I did feel a little uncomfortable wondering if it was a good idea to mock that particular thing.
0: Now, you do know Chippy is a puppet, right? I do. (laughs) Now, I just I like dark (laughs) humor and I have written comedy sketches before And the hand thrust up the anus of a puppet is a comedy trope I have used in some of my sketches over the years. I just enjoy that going there because it's very dark. And I love that that was the entire gist of the sketch. And they kept with it and they kept doubling down. That's why I like it. Like the premise itself is kind of hacky. Anybody's done it before. But this one kept doubling down and doubling down to the point that they pulled out the entire jar of lube at the end, which I have to say is SNL does not go that dark most times these days. And I appreciated that they actually did.
1: Oh, they definitely committed. And when we're talking about like when we're talking about SNL sketches that do kind of lean into that sex humor. This one was definitely paced a lot better than, say, the stargazing sketch where they kind of capped out right at the beginning. But this one really, I mean, it may not be something that I think is maybe appropriate to make fun of. But if you're going to make fun of it, at least let it build. And they definitely did that. Like they definitely (laughs) kept amping up the humor. And so that's that's what they do. (laughs) I will say
0: personally, there's four things about this sketch why I think it worked when it probably wouldn't always work. The first mm-hmm. one is, obviously, you have Will Farrell as the lead. Will can sell anything. Oh, that's true. Yeah, he's made so many dark sketches work over the years because he'll commit to it. So, Will Farrell. The second thing is that you have Keenan reacting to him. Keenan reacting sells the sketch because Keenan plays it absolutely straight. Uh-huh. As does Cecily. There's the third thing. So Keenan and Cecily make this sketch work better than it should because they play it straight and they add a sense of urgency and anger to the sketch. So like, they're not giggling, they're not cracking up, they're angry. Like they actually buy into the premise.
1: Yeah, it was 100% well cast.
0: Yeah, and here we go. Here's the fourth thing why I think the sketch works. Chippy's face. (laughs) <laughs> anybody who's watching this sketch again this is what was making me laugh that they designed this puppet with these eyebrows that are slanted downward so he has a worried look on his face to begin with the lines coming out of chippy's mouth work so much better when he looks terrified to begin with so i'm just saying pay attention to little set details like that whoever designed chippy's face that's why this sketch really worked for me and i think this was probably my favorite in this episode even though admittedly it's not to everyone's taste i know they're going to yank it out when they shrink this down for reruns but to me this is like that uh the rock the child molesting robot sketch which i could not oh, yeah. believe they put that on the air and i'm like i love that sketch so much because of the horrified gasp from the audience that got it got That's my stance on this one too. I love when SNL actually crosses the line and goes dark, and they actually did it. So again, uh, two thumbs up for this sketch in particular. Even though I know I will be on an island all by myself for the most part.
1: You know, I might have to go back and rewatch it though, because I mean, you're totally right. If you can look past that, (laughs) I'm I'm acknowledging my own hypocrisy here because, as I mentioned, The Office a million times over, I'm obsessed with that show. I've been rewatching it, and I just got to the episode where um, Phyllis is flashed in the in the parking lot and. Michael comes in and actually like uses his hand to show a penis like sinking at the sight of Phyllis. And I remember watching the commentary on that episode where they talked about actually including that in the show and how they were like, there's no way they're going to let us do this because it's so over the line. But by showing Steve Carell actually like putting his hand through his zipper, they were able to get away with it. Um, And I wonder if I'm being just a little hypocritical here. I'm like, yeah, should you be making, like, should we be acknowledging that consensual touch is a big deal in our society right now? Yes, absolutely. And it should have been for a while. But also, the joke, I mean, it is a puppet and it is pretty funny. So, (laughs) I should go back and rewatch it. You convinced me. I turned you on Chance the Rapper. You turned me on non-consensual puppet touch.
0: (laughs) Yeah. Now I just have to get you to call me daddy again and everything's going to work. Hell no. Although, yeah, Donnie, I have to say, Chippy is here in the studio. Chippy. (gasps)
1: Hey, can you sit down, buddy? Are you okay? I I don't know if he can sit down anymore. I think he's injured. (laughs) All right. So anyway, I give a
0: hesitant, reluctant thumbs up to the Will Ferrell episode just because I think the last couple sketches, the pizza, the Wizard of Oz and the Ventriloquist won me over. I don't think it was an amazing episode. I'll give it the most faint praise possible that I think it's the best they could do with a Will Ferrell episode these days.
1: Which is a real shame.
0: I know. It's terrible. Again, the greatest, possibly the greatest cast member of all time, and that's the best I can do. But still, of these four episodes, I like the Will one the most. Chance the Rapper, I kind of like, but Joni turned me off. She, 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 she talked some sense into me. Maybe I don't like it as much anymore. <laughs> that Wire sketch, that one kills me. I hate that Wire sketch. But oh, it was terrible. I don't like Kristen Stewart, and I don't like Harry Styles at all. So, unfortunately, it is a mixed bag, at best, of SNL episodes, but that is where we are heading into December.
1: Yeah, I ultimately my analysis of these four episodes is it felt a lot like when I used to play Sonic the Hedgehog with my brothers and Sonic dives underwater and has to continually search for those air bubbles. And if you don't get to them soon enough, then then the music kind of speeds up and it's like you're playing with life or death. And I feel like a lot of SNL sketches and just SNL as a whole in like as a show is barely making it to the air bubble in time every week. (laughs) (laughs)
0: that's a great analogy I love that that it does feel like that when they're just trying to tread water and when they they can poke their head above and just avoid the controversy and the criticism it's like everyone raves about how good it was even though when you take a step back you're realizing that wasn't actually that great but okay I guess that's what we're gonna do now
1: yeah and in the meantime everyone just feels a little bit uncomfortable and kind of cringy and worried about when it's gonna get better but I don't know if it is (laughs) And that
0: does lead us into December, where there's a couple episodes coming up. I know Jennifer Lopez. Do you know, I haven't really paid attention to who the other host is leading up in the next two weeks.
1: Um, I don't know. Have they announced him yet?
0: I think they have. See, the, Joni and I do no research, so we don't know. But there's a couple episodes, and then the one at the end of the year, the big one, the Eddie Murphy one, which is one of the most eagerly anticipated SNL episodes, I mean, in my lifetime. I kid you not, this is a big one, that I am not confident about it all i'm very much cringing what's going to happen with eddie but we'll see i don't know it's a big he's a big draw for me probably a bigger draw because you didn't grow up with snl in the early to mid 80s like i did but it's a really big deal for me that eddie's here is it a big deal for you
1: i love eddie murphy i think he's a great comedian so it'll be good to have him around um but i'm i'm yeah i'm hesitant yeah the next um we've got j-lo um on the 7th and then we've got scarlett johansson on the 14th so they're pulling out some big names are they? Well, Scarlett Jo. well, I don't know about J-Lo, but I know Scarlett Johansson is the marvel. <laughs> yeah, but uh, see, Scarlett
0: Johansson, for me, fits right into the Jonah Hill. Like, I don't know why she hosts SNL all these times, because I can't think of many sketches that she really was, like, great in.
1: Oh, no, that's 100% sure. I said big names. I didn't say big comedians. <laughs> okay.
0: Now, I will do another deep dive for the SNL historians out there. Scarlett Johansson was in one of my all-time favorite SNL sketches with Will Forte, Duluth Live, Fly High Duluth. So I will give her credit for that. But that's 95% Will Forte, 5% her. So we'll see if she can turn me around this time.
1: Yeah. And, you know, I did see recently Jojo Rabbit, uh, which was delightfully funny um, by every character but her. So we'll see.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Wow. So she had the luck of the Irish around her. She's like a, a planet that
1: draws in talent and moons and stuff. Yeah, I mean, in fairness, her role wasn't supposed to be particularly entertaining, but we'll see. I like Scarlett Johansson as an actor. I'm really curious to see how she does uh, this time around as host, because I agree with you. She hasn't done a great job in the past for me, <laughs> so we'll yeah. see. Although, and I'm going to throw a little
0: J-Lo trivia out to people that she is a, she was also, you know, she's hosted before and she was the star in another one of Mario's favorite deep dive sketches that Joni may not even remember this one. This is kind of an obscure one. The Smash Mouth sketch where Nassim Padra is a little girl terrified because Smash Mouth is hiding in her closet every night and they come out and sing All Star. And Jennifer Lopez <laughs> is the mom that's has to convince her that Smash Mouth is not indeed hiding under her bed and in her closet. Oh, I haven't seen that one. I'm going to have to go find that. That's fantastic. And j is very good in that one. So I have
1: hope for her. Good. Yeah, I, I like J-Lo well enough. I think she's a decent performer. So we'll see what happens. Hopefully these I mean, I, the, the best I can say about these upcoming episodes is that I do know who all of the people are that are hosting. <laughs> <laughs> wow. I didn't know who Chance the Rapper was. Wasn't all that familiar with Harry Styles. So <laughs> maybe it will be better. Yeah.
0: All right. So anything else to add about the state of SNL as we go into December and sign off here?
1: oh may god bless
0: us everyone <laughs> yes and again i want to thank all the cameos all the celebrities that stalked by shusha zeus sex panda 99 jim henson's corpse everybody that came in made the effort it was a good time had by all and again as always i'm mario lanza i'm Joni newman and we will see you guys next month for the december wrap-up here on snl after party until then bye bye